Well, welcome everyone. It's great to have you all back here tonight, week nine of Alpha. Uh, I can see that I have gotten your full attention and uh, this is great. You're just getting used to me. We're going to have to get somebody else up here. Well, welcome back. Week nine, one week to go. I don't know how many of you have perfect attendance, but all right, I hands going up all over. I know. So it's don't don't mess this up. So uh, we're looking forward to a great commencement service next next week for for us. It'll be fun for us to do that. I uh, also want to remind you that when Alpha is over, we're going to continue with something called the beta course. Right now, we have no nights in which to do this that are available. So the last time we did this, we did it on a Sunday morning, believe it or not. It actually got us, a, there was a pretty good attendance for that. So we'll be doing that at 1030 on Sunday morning here at Lakeview. Uh, we're not quite sure what room it's going to be because we don't know how many of you will be signing up. But it's, it's, a, it's a fabulous time. Uh, there'll be a study guide involved with this. It's, it's a great study. We're looking at doing, again, the Gospel of Mark. And uh, every time I do it, I get something else out of it. So had a great weekend. How many of you were able to come to the Alpha weekend at least Friday, maybe or Saturday? That was a great time. Uh, thank P Pastor Peter Davidson for being with us. So um, also want to uh, remind you that CDs of every Alpha that we've had are at the table over there tonight for you to take. If you didn't get your mother a Mother's Day gift, uh, you could just bundle those together and put a bow on it and uh, just do it the cheap way. But that's okay. Anyway, tonight we're in session 15. It's actually the last session in the book, but it, next week we'll be in session 14. How do I make the most out of the rest of my life? So this week, as we talk about what about the church, it's an interesting question. Because, you know, for eight weeks, what we've been doing is we've been kind of looking at traditional stereotypes of things, of the Bible. We've took, looked at stereotypes of prayer, stereotypes of evil. Um, what does it mean to have a relationship with God? How do I know I'm going to heaven? Can I know I'm going to heaven? There's just been lots of ideas that we have growing up that are not to be found inside the pages of the Bible. And that's why I think Alpha is so important to us. Because we get an opportunity to dive into the Bible and see what the Bible has to say. And if the Bible is the Word of God, which we strongly believe that it is, uh, then getting into the Bible is an opportunity to look at what God has to say, as opposed to what I'm making up in my own mind, or taking the ideas of others that may not be biblically based. So tonight, we talk about the church, and I think this is a big one. The reason I think it's a big one is because most of us have attended church. We've attended church maybe our whole lives, or we used to go when, our, when we were kids and our parents forced us to go, and once we got out of the house, that was the end of that. Um, but tonight we're going to look at the Bible's definition of church. And uh, I assure you that the Bible's definition of church, like it did with me, is going to mess with some stereotypes again tonight. And again, I will say this, and I've said this many times, don't believe a word I'm telling you. Look and see what the Bible says. See if the Bible doesn't back up what we'll be talking about tonight, particularly concerning the church. And you know, when you think about the church there, um, you've, maybe you heard somebody say, hey, if you find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll ruin it, um, uh, which is probably true. But here's the good news. There's no such thing as 
a perfect church because there's no such thing as a perfect person. Um, and, but there's a lot of things that are imperfect about the church. And one of the things I've found is really imperfect about the church is church bulletins. Uh, in church bulletins, you'll find many different typos that could bring some really serious misunderstandings to the individual or the individuals who may be reading them. And so I brought a few of those tonight, tonight. so you, if you saw them in any church bulletins, you would understand this. So here's, here's one from a church bulletin. It says, ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not, worthy, not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husband's. The associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I up my pledge. Up yours. These are real. I'm not making these up. Here's another one. This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. I hope she's wearing a dress. That would be kind of difficult if she weren't. Um, Due to the rector's illness... Wednesday's healing services will be discontinued until further notice. Ah, yes. Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. Didn't say, yeah. My favorite here. um, Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursdays at 7 to 8.30. Please use the back door. Uh, here's, a, here's a missionary one coming up here. This is really good. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> that must be quite a Bertha. <laughs> uh, and then finally, don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. <laughs> so anyway, just some, some fun thoughts from church bulletins. And there are some other ones that are really great, <laughs> but probably not suitable for this group. Or maybe they are suitable for this group, not just for maybe YouTube. Um, so what about the church? Uh, we're on page 80 if you're following in your manual. You know, when you think of church or you think of the church, what do you think about? Well, um... There are some not, uh, not totally wrong, but some, some popular misconceptions of what the church is, such as uh, the church's services. Hey, uh, you could hear the question, what time, does your, or what time are your services? What time are your meetings of the church's services? Or uh, the thinking that the church is the clergy or the leadership, you know, the question, hey, what, is, what does the church feel about that position? Um, or the church as a particular denomination. Hey, wh- hey, what kind of church, what type of church do you attend? Or that the church is a building. Hey, where, where's your church located? Um, but this is what we find. that We'll find out that the church isn't a service, but the church has services. The church isn't leaders, but the church has leaders. The church is not a denomination, but the church is composed of denominations. And the church is not locations, but the church has locations. Uh, You could say, uh, we could 
you know, Annette and I live just almost spitting distance from here. And you could say, that's the Lorias. Well, yeah, that is the Lorias. But that's not, but it's not, not, it's not the Lorias. It's where we live. It's where we meet. It's where we sleep. It's where we eat. It's, it's, it's just a building. But that's not who we are. And the church is not services or leadership or denominations or edifices. And so tonight we're going to talk about what the church is. But the question really is not what is the church. If we start looking at this as we continue as we've been studying, the question is not what is the church. The question really is, biblically, who is the church? So the word church comes from a, a Greek word. It's the Koine Greek, the common Greek language, and it's the word ekklesia, ekklesia. The word ek the, the, is a compound word. The ek, the preface part of that is uh, out or out from. And then klesia is called. So it's the called out ones, those called out from one thing to another. And if I may just present my cups for you again tonight, I know you'd be disappointed if I didn't do that. Called out from what? Well, very clearly. The Bible says that we are called out of Adam and placed into Christ. So called out, called out from, and called in to. So tonight we're going to look at four points, just four points for us to, to look at here. The church is God's body. The church is God's home. The church is God's people. And the church is God's family. The church is not a building. Right, so that's we're going to we're going to focus on what we've focused on through this entire time we've been at Alpha. That God is a relational, personal God, and the church are those whom He has taken out of Adam and placed into Christ for deep, intimate communication and relationship with. Let's just take a, a couple of. Scriptures here. There are many, but we're just going to take a look at a couple of them here. The church is the body of Christ. And this is what Romans 12, Paul writing to the Romans 12th chapter, 4th and 5th verse. For as in one body, now what he's talking about there is in one physical body. For as in one physical body, we have many members or many parts, right? Inside your body is many members, many parts. You have kidneys and you have bones and you have the pancreas, you got a heart, you got lungs, you got blood cells, you got lymph nodes, you got all this stuff coursing through this one body. Many members, one body. So what Paul is writing, so is it as for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, aren't, aren't you glad? You know, the kidney doesn't do what the liver does. The lymph nodes don't do what the spleen does. They have different functions, and that keeps the body healthy and alive. So we, though many, so we, the church, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Here Paul states a little bit more in his church, in his, his, his letter to the church, to those in Christ in Ephesus. He says, but speaking the truth in love... We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Christ is a saying there, Christ is the head of the body. 
from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So just as we exercise our physical body for it to grow, the body is to be exercised by being together and doing the things which cause maturity and growth and wisdom and strength, all of those things. But it is from one body with many parts. So the whole body, you could say, is in Christ. The whole church is in Christ. There is not the church if it is not in Christ. The church is not in Adam. But somebody could go to a church service and be in Adam, but that doesn't put them into Christ because they attended a meeting of the church. That just means someone without Christ went to a meeting with people who are in Christ. That's simply what that means. But the important thing that we need to see here is God gives this picture through the Apostle Paul and through Peter as well and through others of the importance of unity, the importance of connectedness. I mean, fingers and feet, maybe shoulders can be beautiful things. They can be very beautiful things. They are, they are meant to be. They are, they're attractive. They're not necessarily, though, attractive just because of what I see with my eyes. They can be beautiful for their function. Look at the beautiful way in which that took place by using the fingers and the hands or the feet or the knees or whatever that may be. Uh, so there's beauty and there's functionality and there's value through the body being connected, the body parts being connected together. But if you lop off your hand, you know, maybe you watch a lot of NCIS and stuff like that. It seems like body parts are all over the place and uh, coroner's offices and just all these things. I mean, so that which may be attractive when it's connected to the wrist is incredibly unattractive when it's disconnected. A foot disconnected is not attractive. Eyes, beautiful blue eyes or whatever, are not attractive if they're pulled out of the skull and just placed on the table. That, that, would, not, that would not incite for a great appetite unless you're a really peculiar person. Uh, so the, 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 the power of the body is in its connectedness. Okay, we're called to be meaningfully and functionally connected. That's the beauty of the body, as we as parts of Christ's body function together and in unity. You and I are called to be meaningfully connected, functionally connected, valuably connected in and to others' lives. So the church, the church is the body. The church is also, we're going to talk about here, the church is a home. Okay, so in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, uh, God called on his people to build him a house. Well, it wasn't a house because God needed a house, that God was not homeless. He didn't, he didn't need a house. He wouldn't fit in a house if you could make it for him. But the house for the Jews, a place for God would be a symbol that God was with them, God was near them. They would know the, the benefit of God's nearness. 
So in, in the Old Testament, God dwelled, if you will, in a house, a building made by hands. But in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, as God gives Christ, he, he comes to earth, he is crucified, he is resurrected, he ascends into heaven, and he promises the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. Now, God dwells in a building that has hands. He dwells in a building that has feet. He dwells in a building that has a nose and ears. He dwells in us. He has called us now and made us to be his house, his dwelling place. Here's what Paul writes to the Corinthians. Or do you not know that? So these are Corinthians. They are in Christ. He says, don't you know that your body is the temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit who is where? Within you. Whom you have from God. You are not your own. So this is really amazing. This, all this pomp and circumstance and ceremony. To, to be near the presence of God. Now because of God's spirit and his making us his own. Because we said I do. Got in the wheelbarrow. Received the gift. We're born again. We're placed into Christ. Uh, now this is what happens. Here it is, folks, the third cup. Okay? The H just stands for human. Okay? Very difficult, very deep. Okay? So as we are in Christ, now what? Christ, we are, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. Christ, we are in Christ. Christ, by the Holy Spirit, comes to live in us. And we become, every one of us, the dwelling place of God, fit together with different functions different giftings, different callings, but essentially important regardless of what that function or that calling happens to be. And then Peter writes, writes this. He says, as you come to him, okay, as you come to Christ, as you come to Christ, who is a living stone, Christ a living stone, or the, the Bible also says a, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, that which holds up the whole building, Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Okay, so Christ the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and precious. Look what it says. You yourselves, like living stones, like Christ, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let me try to unpack this quickly. So you yourselves are called to be like Christ, living like Christ, alive like Christ, being built up into a spiritual house, built up together, all of us being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Okay, so we who grow up in Roman Catholic New Orleans, we have thoughts about what it means to be a priest. Hey, did you join the priesthood is a, a question that you will hear, right? That, that's what you'll hear. Well, that would, that would form a very narrow understanding of the scripture, and it is not an understanding of the scripture that is one that is as it should be, I would most humbly put forth. He's saying here that all who are in Christ are a, you see this word here? Holy priesthood. That says that if you are in Christ, 
you, Sherry, you, Janice, you, Renee, are called holy before God and a priest before God. Again, we, again, we have, because of our culture, this thinking of a priest. That's fine. But God says you are a priest. Who is a priest? A priest is a person who is basically a mediator. He goes between God and man. He's the one who meets. She's the one who meets with God. That's what a priest was. A priest in the Old Testament met with God. Well, guess what you and I now have the way. If, you were, if we were talking about this in, verse, in, in uh, session five, through Jesus Christ, God has made a way for us to be before him. God calls us to be with him. That means we are to him mediators, meters, meters with him. And God wants us to know that. He wants you to know that. Why? So that you and I don't live a life beneath that. So you and I don't think that's just for the, the muckety-mucks with the, all the education. He has called every one of us to that capacity of interaction with one another and interaction with him. It's fascinating. A holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. What is that? I just offer, he wants my life to constantly offer. Lord, I want you to have every aspect of my life. So instead of it being a blood offering as in the Old Testament and the giving of sacrifices, the sacrifice is now myself. We'll talk more about that actually next week. And so we see God has worked and is working to build us all together, fit it, fitted together. We each as alive, living stones have been put together to form one body for Christ as living, alive stones. And, and some of us, the interesting thing, you know, you look at people around you, you're looking at living stones if you're in Christ and we're fitted together. There, there are People that are supporting me. There's a people that are supporting you. There are people that you may be supporting now as you're growing in your faith. People that I am supporting as I grow in my faith. There's some on my shoulders. There's some whose shoulders I am on. There's some around me. God has, God has, has specifically and intentionally put the people around us that he's put around us. We talked about that last week with the Holy Spirit. How, about, how we are in particular places. How did we get here? And if I hadn't been there. Like Annette, if Annette doesn't punch the, the nun uh, in the face. Then I don't ever meet her. Those are things. If you weren't here for the weekend. You, you don't get that. But, um, but they're just things that. I would want to say that things that God does. Like the Lord did that through Annette. But he uses circumstances to, to do that. Oh boy. Um, so. That's how we together, the joy of being knitted together. And what is lost in the church is that when we don't function together, when we don't function together is a tremendous shame. When we don't function as a home. Okay. So it's important that we see this. It's important that we see this here. I'm going to bring back our, 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 this diagram here, reminding you that in Christ there are but, pardon me, in God's economy, there are but two races. Okay? There are those who are in Adam, and there are those who are in Christ. There's, there's, no, there's no median. Okay? There's no neutral ground. There's, there's no room between here and here. I'm not partially in Christ and partially in Adam. That, that's just not the case. I'm either in Adam, and if I am in Adam, I am not. I can go to church meetings, but I'm not the church. 
I'm not a part of the church. But if I'm in Christ, I am the church. And I should go to church meetings. So do we see that? The issue is not you can go to church your whole life and still be an Adam. Your whole life and still be an Adam. Going to church doesn't make you in Christ. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to church services doesn't make you anything but um, whatever church services do for you. See, the church is an identity and a calling. The church is an identity. The church is a calling uh, for those who have responded to Christ. And so God sees us. doesn't matter whether you're black or white, red, yellow, male, female, old, young, rich, poor. God doesn't see anyone any differently but being in Christ as a different part of the same body, as a different member of the same body fit together. Um, so... That makes this issue of being in Christ and in Adam, I think, all the more pointed. Um, all right, let's look at another point here. The third point, the church is people. The church is people. The people of God. Now here's Peter, okay, writing to those in the church. Now, look at what he says here. You... He's talking to you now. Okay, you got that? You're paying attention? Here's Peter. The Apostle Peter is talking to you. He's writing to you. And actually, he wrote down what the Holy Spirit told him to write. But you are a chosen race. Okay, that word race simply means, is, is the word from which we get genetics. Okay? You're, you're, you're chosen genes, if you will. You're a royal, a kingly priesthood. Do you see that? Kings of royalty... Because you're in Christ, and Christ is the king of kings, and priesthood, there's that word again, one who gets called right before the presence of God, is in the presence of God, and the presence of God is in him or her as well. You're a holy nation, that's what you are. One nation, holy, made holy because we're in Christ, and Christ is holy. A people for God's own possession, a people that belong to God. Why? Okay, why? Look at what Peter writes here. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you, okay, called you out. Do you see the word there? Ecclesia, called out. He's called you out of what? He has called you, let's go backwards. Come on. He has called you out of darkness and placed you into his marvelous light. He relocated us, took us out of Adam, placed us into Christ. That's what he did. That's what the Bible says. He did those things for us. So you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you can, so that you're qualified to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now look at, what, look at this. For once... You were not a people. At one point in time, none of us in this room were people. But now, but now, by his doing, you are the people of God. You were once not a people. You are now the people of God if you're in Christ. You had not received mercy. But now, you have 
receive mercy. That's the church. And the power of the church is not just you or me uh, or Lloyd or Tracy here or there. It's the united power of the church functioning together, essentially, essentially functioning, meaningfully functioning together. So let's look lastly at this. The church is a related family. This is most important. So let's just see what the Bible, let's just pull some scriptures out here that make this aspect of us being a family so clear. Here's John. First John, now this is John's, not the gospel of John, but John's first letter to those who are in Christ. He's writing to the church. Everyone that believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And if you have been born of someone, that simply means that you are in their family. Just simply means that. Now here's the gospel of John. To as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Another family illusion, a clear family illusion. John 3, 6, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh, that which is born of Loria, is Loria. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We see here family again. And then lastly, back to 1 John, the, the epistle of John. Behold, what manner of love the Father, picture family here with this word Father, has given to us that we, we who are in Christ, would be called the children of God and son of a gun. We are. Doesn't, and such we are. Okay. Such, such we are. Uh, do you see that? All of that speaks of family. It all speaks of family. Now, here's, just give you one more here from Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus in Turkey. Paul speaking of what Jesus did. He came and preached peace to those who were far away, right? Those who were far away. They're in Adam, far away. They could have been in Jer Jerusalem or they could have been in God knows where on the planet. And, those who, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both, that's Jews and Gentiles, have our access in one spirit to the Father. There's again that family picture. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are no longer in Adam, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Okay, again, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on some of our traditional understandings here, and I don't mean to be, well, I, I do mean to be stepping on traditional understandings if, if they don't make biblical sense. I don't mean to be ugly, of course. But the word saint there, it means that God calls you a saint. I didn't say you always act like a saint. I didn't say that. I know that I don't always act like a saint. But my dad would often say to me, Lorias don't do that. But that didn't not make me a Loria because I was born of, of a Loria. A fellow citizen with the saints. Why a saint? Because where am I now located? In the Holy One. I am now located in Christ himself. And God, the, the, 
the writers of the New Testament chose the word for living people, saints. I mean, the first time I heard that, I went, ah, really? Yeah, really. Because you know how many times you're going to find that word in the New Testament? 63 times concerning a living people that are in the church. Okay, I'm not saying that for any other reason than look what manner of love the Father has given to us that we would be called saints, holy ones, children of God. Not so we go like, huh, look at me, saint. Uh, no, so that I go, please don't look at me that God would call me to be of his church, that God would call me to himself, that God would qualify me for something I could never qualify myself for and join me to others, that together my life would be more rich and glorious and fulfilling and meaningful and purposeful than it could ever be apart from him. Saints and are of God's Household. Sounds like a family. See, church is biblically characterized by intimate family descriptions, not distant and non-meaningful relations of people who occasionally go to the same building, go to the same service times, or the same denomination. Um, that doesn't make church necessarily. It, God is not impressed that you and I happen to find the the fastest service on a Sunday morning or a Saturday evening. Uh, he is not impressed by any of that. He was not impressed when I would mindlessly just do what I did while I was there for that time, spending more time worshiping my watch and looking at my watch than I was anything else. Um, the question was, was I going to church for me and checking a box? Or was I going to, again, remember, going to church for me? This is when I was still in Adam. Was I going to church for me? Or was I going to church for God? Was I going with my definition? Or was I going with his definition? My purpose, his purpose. My desire to know him or his desire to know me. Um, I came to find something amazing in what God calls church talk a little bit more about that after I, I do this so so the church is here just winding this up here the church is God's people related to each other because we have been born again into Christ see if every one of us has been born of the spirit what to, if you've been born of the spirit if you've said yes to Christ I do got in the wheelbarrow received the gift been born again you have been born of the spirit and I have been born of the spirit so what does that make us Brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter whether you go to, it doesn't matter what denomination you go to. That has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't matter if you, we go to the same church. It doesn't matter if we're on the same part of the planet. It doesn't matter. If I've never met my brother or sister in Christ, I have still that brother and sister in Christ who I can't wait to find and meet, maybe in the line. Maybe I'll never meet them in the dash. And I'm confident that that will be true because many have gone before us as well. And so people related to each other. We share a spiritual family connection in Christ, related to each other. And then also 
responsible for each other because we have had the familial heart of Christ placed into us, never alone. See, this is the beauty that, that I start to tell you the beauty that Annette and I have found in our 45 years of being in Christ. And, um, there's no such thing as an isolated, healthy Christian. Isolated and healthy are, are oxymorons when it comes to the church. The writer of Hebrews says, Do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves. He says, Don't do that. It's not good for you. It's not good to be alone. And God gives us this family, this spirit-empowered family to be together. We are the people in Christ who care about well-being and life of one another. That's biblical church. People meaningfully and functionally connected. We need one another. The body works in a rhythmic way and functions together best. Um, it should always be obvious as to how much we need our family, particularly our spiritual family. But there are times that it may be much more obvious than others. And uh, as I said, Annette and I, have been, it's been a joy to be a part of this family for 40, my gosh, is it 41 years? I'm forgetting, 41 years. Um, and there have been times that we have been so grateful for being a part of this family. And there's just been times when we've really needed this family. And, uh, and one of those times was, uh, was about almost 12 years ago when Annette was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, and we were, um, were at the hospital. It was going to be an eight-and-a-half-hour-long surgery. That was the first surgery of several. And um, um, there was hardly any room left in that waiting area for the... I don't have any idea how many people came and stayed and went and came back through those eight hours and continued to bombard us with, with love and care and food and cards and everything else as just family. Um, and we have experienced the, the power and the joy of being uh, one in Christ. Um, now, I have asked that um, Donnie and Judy Bourgeois come and uh, they share their story. And uh, Mike, I'm going to need a microphone. I'm sorry. You got it? It's right here. Okay, I'll step away to get that. But uh, Donnie and Judy, if you guys would come. Um, certainly, uh, Donnie and Judy, some of you guys know them, but um, they have uh, they've certainly had their share of challenges. And they're going to tell you about probably one of the greatest challenges a parent, parents can go through but how God met them and how God connected them to uh, this family. And so I'm going to give it over to, to Donnie and Judy. Donnie, can you grab that microphone right there? Um, and then when, when Donnie's done, I will be right back up. Yeah, no, don't let that happen again. That was... <laughs> Are you on? Here, let me... Let me maybe I can... Mike, you want to? 
Well, good evening to everyone, everyone out there in TV land. Um, <laughs> this is uh, not something we do every day, but uh, we're grateful to be here tonight. Uh, what a privilege it is to be in the church and have this opportunity to uh, give testimony of what God has done in our life over the last 20 years. Um, I'm going to start with a little nostalgia. Um, 51 years ago, um, some of you may know uh, where this place was. If not, I'm going to let you know. It was uh, Frank Skating Rink on West Napoleon in uh, Transcontinental. It used to be an Amico station on the corner. And uh, now it's Earl's Plumbing in the back. Uh, and that's where I was a skate boy. And um, Judy came and dropped her sister off one weekend. And she came in to pick her up that, that night. And lo and behold, she came back the next week. <laughs> and, uh, and here we are, <laughs> 47 years being married. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to fast forward this to uh, 19 years ago. Uh, we, we had a conversation, me, me and Judy, and we said, you know, we have, we have four beautiful children, three boys and a girl. I'm self-employed. We have a nice home. Got a camp, got a boat. You're living the American dream, right? But we're missing something. There's something missing in our life. And so a year later, I left two days after Christmas and went to Woodville, Mississippi, hunting. Um, I was with a buddy of mine, Clyde, that worked for Energy. Cell phones were just coming in to be at that point in time. If you all remember, they used to call them bricks. They were real big old things. You needed a backpack to carry them. Well, Clyde had one, right? As God would have it now, listen, what I'm saying, as God would have it, us two together, now I'm in the woods in Woodville, Mississippi, pouring down rain. We got up the next morning to go hunting. I had 10 people in camp. They all slept in. Me and Claude said, where are we going to go? He dropped me off, and it was dark, pouring down rain, and he left me, and I got up in the stand. And about five minutes later, I hear my name being called out in the woods. Donnie! Donnie! So I, I jumped out of the stand and ran to the, to the, to the road, and he was there uh, with his cell phone. And he had Judy on the line. And she says, uh, Brennan's in the hospital. That's my youngest son. He was 18. He's in the hospital. He's in a coma. And I dropped to my knees and I said, Lord, please, please don't let anything happen to him. And Clyde says, come on, let's go. I'm going to take you, take you into town. So it was about a two and a half hour ride. Well, Brennan was out with his girlfriend. It was her girlfriend's party. And they were at a place called Jimmy's off of Carrollton. And they were in there drinking, having a good time, dancing. Well, 
One of the boys had the GHB drug in a Gatorade bottle, the daybreak drug, and Brennan loved Gatorade. Well, he picked up the bottle and he drank half of it, and so it suppressed him. It stopped him from breathing, and when he fell out, his girlfriend asked the bartender to call an ambulance, and he said, get him out of here, he's drunk. So the boy that knew what he took said, come on, I gotta put him in my car, I gotta take him to the hospital. They got him in his car, he drove halfway around the block, they stopped. He said, I can't take him, I got all this other paraphernalia in my car. So his girlfriend went back inside and got one of his other friends, Chad Godan. Chad put him in his truck and took him to charity. By the time they got to charity, they said he'd already stopped breathing 10 to 12 minutes. So he was brain dead. So when I got to the hospital, I ran through that hospital looking for my wife and my son. And I found him. And there was Brennan laying in the bed. Looked like he was just sleeping. I crawled up in there with him, gave him a hug, told him I loved him, kissed him. Yeah, with my wife. Well, we went to the hospital for 11 days with him. The second day I was up there, a gentleman came up there. I don't know how he got up there because it was pretty crowded. As he said, as Frank said, with, with uh, Annette, there's so many people up there. And uh, he came in and he says, can I go in there and pray over your son? I said, absolutely. So he came, so he went in and he came out and I remember him sitting down for, for a long time in the corner. And he got up and he walked to me and he says, if you get an opportunity, he says, I'd like for you to read this. And he handed me this track and he walked away. Well, I took that track that night out of my pocket and I read it. And I read it again. And I read it again. And I did what he told me to do. And that's why I'm here tonight, to be a testimony of what God can do in your life is what he did in my life. Well, we did everything, medically speaking, possible for trying to get my son back to life. I had to transport him to St. Charles General. We put him in a hyperbarics chamber, which was fairly new at the time. Um, we brought him there twice. It was a big ordeal because the doctors and nurses and all had to, had to travel with him in the, in the ambulance. And uh, while he was in that hyperbarics chamber, the nurse said, you can talk to him. There was a microphone there. And I talked to him, and I told him I loved him. That I was there for him. And they had tears coming out of his eyes. I knew he heard me. I knew he heard me. I said, Lord, don't take him. Take me. He's only 18. Take me, Lord. Don't take him. Well... About the sixth day, we got approached by Lopa. I didn't know what Lopa was. But I said, yeah, we'll meet with you all. So we went in, and we sat at the desk, and the lady looked at us, and we looked at her, and she says, and at this point in time, we knew 
There's probably nothing else could have been done. And she asks us if we donate his organs. And we both looked at each other, and without hesitation, we said yes. God's grace. God's grace, because I can assure you, if my son couldn't live, nobody else was going to live. Not to be selfish, but that was my son. But we said without hesitation, yes, we would. So seven people's lives were saved. After that, we buried him, and I get a revelation to pick up his word, God's word, and start reading that Bible. I'm reading the first scripture that comes off that page into my heart was John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave you with, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Folks. That scripture landed right here in his heart, and it's never left in 20 years. 20 years, it's never left. Still had that peace that he gave me that day. He said in Matthew 11, 20, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon ye and learn from me, for the gentle and humble of my heart will give rest to your soul. He gave me that rest, too. And he gave me one other one I'm going to tell you right now is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift from God, not as a result of works. One may not boast. From reading that scripture and him putting that in my heart, I knew and realized that everything that I have and had was a gift from him. And my son was a gift as well. I never looked at it in that respect before. But I know everything that I have from the breath that I breathe each and every day is a gift from him. So fast forward from that point on, I was asked to go and give testimony to several schools. I was going to, um, I was asked to go to Cabrini to give my testimony. I went there on a Wednesday. I wound up going back seven times on a Wednesday. Well, between the, the fifth and the sixth week, the fifth, fifth and the sixth time that I was going to go give testimony, something was happening with my wife. Things were, something was going on in her life. And she told me that Tuesday night, she says, uh, I want to go with you tomorrow. And I said, you sure? I said, because I got to rehash this whole thing, and I give them time for Q&A. And I, got, I come back home afterwards because I'm just kind of mentally just exhausted. She said, no, I want to go with you. I said, okay. So this was the fifth time on a Wednesday morning we go to Cabrini. I give testimony. I give the girls Q&A time. And then... Well, my walk was totally different than his. I, I was felt like I was in a hole real, real deep for at least five and a half years. I just, I knew I had a family to take care of. I really, I didn't remember anything. I tried to remember, but I couldn't remember, remember a thing. But I was very, very angry and I wanted answers. I didn't, I wasn't mad at God. I didn't, I wasn't gonna leave. 
and not believe in him, but I wanted answers. Why me? Why? Why did you do this? I prayed to you all the time and said, don't ever take any of my children. Whatever you have, you put it on me. I can take it and handle it, but just don't take them. Well, it didn't work like that. But I thank him every day because he took my husband and I out that darkness. That's what he did. <clears throat> and now we have a relationship with him. My other children have come. It's, it's just, it's really, as a mother up here, hard to explain, but it took me a long time. And he never, ever let me go. God, he didn't. He walked through everything with me. Everything I felt, everything I did, I hung on to his coattail. I had my two fingers in his back pocket and just followed him around in church. And coming to church here, the pastors, the body, that's your family, Frank and Annette, everybody, they're always there for you. Always. And I just, you cannot, I could not, and I never, you'll never be able to go through any trial or anything in your life if you don't have Christ as your Lord and Savior. He has the perfect plan. He's got the perfect timing. And we wouldn't be standing here. And we have that relationship with him. And that's most important. And I thank Frank and I pray every day because he, when he got that call and came to the hospital, he was obedient to the Lord and he came. And then, you know, our walk started. But anything you go through, you lay it at his feet and you step aside and let Christ do the work because he does it. And I'll say one last thing, and I never thought I'd ever say this, but if, if God came down and said, Judy, you want Brennan back in your life? You can have him, but you've got to go back into the world. Not changing my life. Don't want that. He's up in heaven. Down here, it's temporary, but I'll be with him for eternity. But I wouldn't change my life for that. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> I never stopped praying for her, and I still pray for her every day, and I thank God every day for her. And when we were at Cabrini that, that morning, she stood up after I finished, and she said, I'd rather be in my walk with the Lord than to have my son back. I dropped to my knees. I said, only you, Lord, could do this. It's not humanly possible for a mother to stand up and say these words. But what a blessing. What a blessing it is to be here. What a blessing it is to proclaim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And know without question that nothing happens without him. I'll leave you all with two more scriptures. And Jeremiah 29, 11 was another scripture he gave to me early on. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for a hope in the future. Uh, you know what? Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He's the only way. He's the only way. And in Psalms 46.10, he says, be still, be still, and know I'm God. 
have patience to wait on him and watch what he'll do. He'll bring you places you never could have dreamed you could be or walk. I praise your holy name, Jesus. I love you. I love you, Brendan. Thank you all. Thank you both. And uh, the church rallied around these two. Um, but let me tell you, uh, that care for them, they have multiplied more times than I even know as they have rallied around so many across this city who have gone through what I think is arguably the most difficult thing anyone can go through. Um, but I cannot thank God enough for uh, Donnie and Judy Bourgeois and what they mean to all of us here. And uh, that's just, again, it's a, it's a, a picture of, of how God weaves our lives together and through circumstances, the most innocuous circumstances you could imagine and brings about something that never could have happened uh, otherwise. So let me finish this up here. Um, we'll get to our table. So the church is, it's a body. It's the body of Christ. The church is a, a home. It's a good home. The church is the people of God. The church is the family of God. Um, why is what most call the church boring and irrelevant for most? I think the simple argument is because it lacks biblical characteristics. It just There's no biblical connection. It's just what I'm supposed to do. And the understanding of the value of being meaningfully connected is lost in religious exercise or tradition uh, you know you think about that that if it really is just a religious meology if I'm attending services I have my denomination I was born this way I'm gonna die this way um, and we don't connect to Jesus Look, wherever you may be attending, whatever denomination you may be of, this has nothing to do with what denomination you are or aren't or what church you attend, church you attend or not. This has everything to do with whether you're in Adam or in Christ. That's the issue. That is essentially the issue. Um, so I think the, the, the question for us is... Um, have I possibly learned more in these last nine weeks of Alpha than I have in the last nine years, 19 years, 29 years of where you have attended? Could I just humbly suggest either dig down deeper where you've been and find something you never found before? Or possibly you want to consider 
If you want to stay where you've been going, that's really between you and God. But the issue is, are you growing? Are you in a situation where you can grow if now you're in Christ to know him more and more and be meaningfully connected to others who are in Christ as well? If the Alpha Course was new material for you, um, then maybe you want to consider if you're not getting, if these issues are new to you, where can I continue to be fed and grow together? Um, you know, the church, as I said, it's, a, it's, it's God's people. It's a home. It's a body. It's a family. It's a family where the blood of Christ courses through the veins of each and every one of us. And there's but one way to be in the church, and that is to be in Christ, to be in Christ. Let me run back through these real quickly to get me to my last screen here. Um, little philosophical note as we close, close here. So if you keep doing, you know, we've heard this. You keep doing what you've been doing, then you'll keep getting what you got. We're all familiar with that statement. But think about that now from a spiritual perspective. If you keep doing what you've been doing... You're going to just keep getting what you got. And my question is, what have you gotten? Look, this is not, a, this is not a, a request for you to come to this church. This is a quest for you to grow in Christ and listen to God's spirit. And derive all you can that he desires for you. You keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you got. And life in the dash is too short. And life in the line is too long. To be more devoted to tradition, even religious tradition, than to the Bible and its clear declaration of God's definition of church. Life in the dash is just too short. And life in the line, it is way too long to be more committed to a non-biblical tradition. Because the scripture is clear in its declarations of what it means to be in Christ and in being in Christ, be of his family, of his body, of his home, of his church. Okay. Well, next week, it's graduation. Uh, we're looking forward to that. We're gonna, the topic is, how do I make the most of the rest of my life? Don't want you to meet, miss that. Uh, we're going to also probably give you an opportunity if you want to sign up for the beta course which is going to take place immediately uh, after Alpha is done. We're going to meet on Sunday mornings, as I said, at 1030. Hope you can be a part of that. So thanks again for being here. Let's take a quick break and get back to our tables. Donnie, Judy, thank you both once again. Love you so much.